0: The lived experience of the young women that I followed and of the community that they are part of cut against the dominant narrative that we keep hearing about and reading about as rural America as a place of despair and hopelessness. I found that incredibly striking and really worth shining a light on.
1: Welcome to the Vermont Conversation. I'm David Goodman. Is there hope in rural America, or is it a place in decline that young people just want to flee? Author Gigi Georges travels to Washington County in Maine, the remote easternmost county in America, to explore the hopes, dreams, and hardships of five young women in high school. Washington County suffers from the problems plaguing many pockets of rural America, such as unemployment, and it has the highest per capita rate of opioid addiction in the country. The families of the girls experience drug addiction and domestic violence, but the girls also revel in the thrill of being small-town sports standouts in basketball and softball. Author Gigi Georges worked in the White House as a special assistant to President Clinton and has a home near Acadia National Park, which is just an hour's drive from Washington County. She spent four years following the girls who she profiles. Her new book is Down East, Five Maine Girls and the Unseen Story of Rural America. Well, Gigi Georges, welcome to the Vermont Conversation.
0: Thank you, David. Thanks for having me.
1: You are not from Down East, Maine, but it is your adopted home now. What drew you to want to write about the, the furthest eastern reach of the United States?
0: Well, David, you're right. I am uh, not a Down East na- native or even a Maine native. I'm a born and bred Brooklyn, New York girl, uh, and uh, spent uh, a lot of my young adult life uh, in urban places, working on urban policy issues. Uh, my husband and I made the decision about 15 years ago to move uh, to northern New England, and uh, found ourselves raising our now nine-year-old daughter uh, in New Hampshire and Maine. And as we began to raise her and as I began to think more about rural issues uh, and rural education in particular, I was really drawn to the stories of uh, young Downeasters and wanted to tell their story in depth because I thought there was something really interesting and surprising going on.
1: Well, to to underscore kind of the, the contrast in your life, we should spend a, another minute just talking about your previous life uh, working in the White House and the Clinton administration. Uh, tell us a little bit about that.
0: Sure. So I... Uh, <laughs> I, uh, much to my big immigrant Greek family's surprise, uh, uh, when I was um, in my late twenties, I landed a job in the Clinton White House doing policy work, um, and in their economic policy shop, and uh, found myself then going back to New York. I had worked in politics and policy for a number of years, and uh, had the had the really nice opportunity to work on. Uh, then Senate candidate Hillary Clinton's campaign for Senate in New York. Uh, And uh, they drew me back up there and I spent some time working on that and ended up uh, working as as her state director in New York, as her chief of staff in New York uh, once she was elected senator in her first term. Uh, so I found my myself in the middle of all of these urban policy and political issues. Um, of course, spend time in upstate New York, which is anything but urban, uh, and probably closer to uh, closer to Vermont and Maine life, uh, but really at that point, as I said earlier, then decided to make a pivot and uh, pursued my PhD in public policy, knowing that I wanted to spend more time uh, in sort of the thinking and writing of policy uh, rather than the practice of it.
1: So were you involved in uh, Hillary Clinton's presidential run in 2016?
0: I was not. I had uh, hung up my cleats, as they say, uh, sometime before that. In fact, it was in 2008 when I made the decision to move out of politics. It's, as anyone knows, as you know, uh, or anyone who's who's been a part of or even watched the political world in these last years, it is um, it is quite rough and tumble. Uh, it is 24/7, and I, you know, in part, wanted to be there for my husband and my daughter, and and wanted to to get some more breathing room to think about things that had really been on my mind, including the idea of what is going on with young people in these more rural places and what is happening in these more rural places as a contrast to the perspective that I had had for so many years in urban places.
1: So um, let's travel back to down east Maine and um, tell us about Washington County, Maine, the easternmost county of Maine, give us a sense of the place.
0: Yes, Washington County, Maine is one of the uh, poorest and most challenges, challenged counties in uh, the Northeastern region. Uh, it is also incredibly remote. Uh, it has a very, very sparse population. Uh, not many people know that Maine is the most rural state in the nation, uh, and it is one of the most rural parts of the most rural state in the nation. It is also, interestingly, um, the area of Washington County that I spent four years reporting in is down east. And down east Washington County is only an hour's drive from Bar Harbor, Maine, or Acadia, which is, as I write, the place that draws busloads and billionaires to it every summer. And so here you have this contrast of having a place that's only an hour's drive away and yet a world apart in terms of the economic challenges, in terms of the sparseness, uh, and in terms of what these communities face uh, when they look at their future.
1: Hmm. Um, One of the things that I wanted to check as I began reading your book was um, how it voted in the last two presidential elections and what I learned about Washington County was that in 2016 it uh, voted for Trump over Hillary Clinton by a 54% to 38% margin. In 2020 Trump widened his margin of victory in Washington County, winning 59% of the vote to Biden's 39%. Uh but keeping in mind they are going against the the tide because Maine Clinton wins Maine with 48% of the vote, and Biden wins Maine with 53% of the vote. So there is this picture of Maine sailing one way and Washington County sailing in the opposite direction, and from your description of the place, in more ways than one.
0: Yes, it's really interesting the The political landscape is is interesting. You know, one thing that is noteworthy, if you go back just a little bit before the two thousand and sixteen election, is that Washington County is also one of those counties that uh, we've we've come across these in the as well in other places that voted for President Obama. Uh, in 2012, and then flipped to a, a Trump county in 2016. Um, fascinating, and that uh, is
1: fascinating. Yeah,
0: yeah. And so, uh, while this is not a political book, of course, questions about um, how how the community uh, regards itself, it's the political landscape, uh, the social and cultural landscape, always play a back backdrop in, in books like these that are narrative non-fiction books. And of course, that was part of this story. Um, but what I found, David, that was, I think, in some ways transcendent of that, was that the l- lived experience of the young women that I followed and of the community that they are part of cut against the dominant narrative that we keep hearing about and reading about as rural America, as a a place of despair and hopelessness. And I found that incredibly striking and, and really worth shining a light on. These communities in down East Washington County and the girls within them are, despite many challenges, thriving, Hopeful and optimistic about their futures.
1: Well, let's talk about that. and And the book profiles five young women, and these are hardly charmed lives. I mean, we're talking about families with domestic violence, with opioid addiction, um, as well as families that are doing, you know, economically well with girls who go on to very successful lives. Um, so when you talk about the the resilience there, how do you see that in the lives of the girls, particularly who face some of the steepest challenges?
0: It was uh, tremendous to see not only the resilience, but the self-awareness of these young women in the face of so many difficulties. I, I'll speak a little bit to one of them. You referenced her, uh, Willow, in the book. It, it, she... Has a really tough childhood. Uh, she is uh, growing up in a home where there is opioid addiction. Her father, uh, he later turns to heroin. Uh, there is physical abuse in the family in the household. Uh, the the. This young woman, Willow, moves seven times before she's eight years old, and ends up living with uh, one set of grandparents. Where the the grandmother, um, while she's living there, it, it goes off to prison on a felony count. So this is a this is a household, a set of households that are in turmoil, um, and yet Willow is not a victim. She is uh, incredibly strong, and she, with the help of those outside her family, particularly her best friend's family who takes her in, with the help of community members and mentors in the high school who are extraordinary, uh, she finds her way, and she ends up making some really, really good, strong choices about her life. Uh, in the path that she takes. Uh, That is just one example. And then in each of the other examples, there are to varying degrees, as you note, uh, challenges that they face and uh, find their way through, not without difficulties and not without ups and downs. There are roller coasters in this book, Uh, but they do find their way. and, And I think that that, again, is incredibly noteworthy when we think about this as a microcosm of other rural places.
1: Why did you choose to focus on young women solely?
0: A couple of reasons, David. One is, as I began to think about uh, writing about down East Washington County and, and spent a lot of time, a good year or so before I actually reported on the ground, researching what was out there in terms of the rural literature. Almost nowhere is there a set of accounts as seen through the eyes of contemporary young women. It is a gap in our narrative of current day rural discussion. And I thought it was important to bring their voices in. Uh, I also found that when I started to visit down East Washington County and was fortunate enough uh, to have the real gift from the school superintendent and the high school principal to spend time with these young people in the school, they allowed me to sit with them and talk with them informally. I found that the girls were excelling and in many ways surpassing the boys around them. And I thought, this is really interesting. It was not only true in academics, but in athletics, in leadership in the school and in the community. And they were even to a certain extent, and I write about this one young woman, McKenna, to a certain extent, right there with the boys in the dominance industry of this area, and that is lobster fishing.
1: Right. And McKenna, Is lobster fishing from the age of 13, I think it is, has her... She is
0: actually amazing. She starts fishing when she's eight. Uh, She is desperate to to fish. Her dad sort of holds her off until she's eight. Uh, And she goes off with her dad and her brother, her two brothers, actually. And she starts to fish and she learns to fish uh, side by side with them. And by the time she's 17, she is captaining her own lobster fishing boat and in many respects is a bit of a troutblazer in her own generation in so doing
1: one of the things I really enjoyed uh, and and I knew you had captured the sense of place is that the book begins with a very exciting moment of a playoff game of high school girls basketball now for people who don't know, In Maine, there is nothing bigger—not the Red Sox, Celtics, Patriots. High school basketball is it. The state comes to a halt for playoffs. So
0: right, (laughs) and girls'
1: basketball in particular is a really big thing there. So I want to you focus on one of the star players of the team, uh, Audrey, um, and her story seems. Kind of emblematic of the challenge, both the promise and the challenge. She gets accepted to Bates College, one of the top private liberal arts schools in the Northeast, but she feels like the skills she will get there will take her away from her home in Washington County. Um, and she's probably right. You know, the liberal arts education will open up another world to her. And so she leaves after one year. She's playing basketball for Bates. I mean, she's got a lot of doors opening, but she leaves to go to the University of Maine. Talk a little bit about her and what does it say about the future for girls there? And and where did that leave you feeling? Because you're riding this roller coaster of their young lives with them, too.
0: Exactly. The, the story of Audrey, I think, is such a powerful symbol for, as you say, uh, both the tensions and the promise. Uh, in places like down East Washington County. And you have this young woman, Audrey, who is the star of the basketball team. She is a leader. She leads them to the state championship in their class. And, um, you know, just as an aside, I you're talking about how basketball, particularly high school basketball, is everything, right, in Maine. And I-, I, I
1: It's love, a long winter and those gyms are <laughs> rocking from they top are to They are rocking.
0: And, you know, and what's so so wonderful to see is to see these dads and uncles and brothers get off their lobster boats and rush home to shower these big burly guys and they rush home rush over to the gym to, to make it to the game to watch these girls and that is just such a great sight uh and such a and such a symbol of the sense of community right male and female around these young people um audrey though does represent Present this, this tension, but also I think this promise. And she makes this decision after getting this coveted scholarship to Bates, playing basketball, as you say, and having this opportunity that a lot of folks inside and outside Down East Washington County would say, wow, this is it, right? She says, no, I know in my heart that I want to be in Down East Washington County I want to be a part of that community. I want to become a speech pathologist and serve the people in the community who really need those services desperately. And she makes that decision, which seems so difficult to us, but I don't actually think, David, it was all that difficult to her Mm -hmm. to say, I'm going back. And she goes to UMaine, she transfers, and she ends up... uh, She's now in graduate school at UMaine in speech pathology, and she is also in the community working with the young people, the young kids in her old elementary school at the same time. And I think that she represents something really terrific in terms of the desire by many of these young people to stay and build. But what
1: about the idea that, I mean, there is the time-honored you know striking out for greener pastures uh, looking for the next frontier that's as american as apple pie it's what every family well many families want for their children that their lives should be on a bigger field than their parents lives this kind of goes in the other direction is that a sign i don't know is that a good thing that she doesn't want to leave home
0: well i think it is a good thing for her because this is something she desires and for her and i think for many young people around her for those who have a choice and make a decision to stay it, they don't see it as settling you know there's an interesting in the in the high school i was so struck by this when i was reporting Uh, You walk into the high school and prominently front and center in one of the hallways, there is a big sign that says staying isn't settling. And underneath it, there are the photos and little bios of all of those students, alums who have made the decision to stay and be a part of the community and are doing really well in it. And it is, I think an emblem of the idea that, yes, the one in a million who escapes, right? That one in a million success story that we tend to celebrate is terrific. But equally as terrific, is this idea that communities like those in down east washington county like places in vermont that are remarkably similar right change out the industry and you'll find a lot of similarities yes it,
1: it reads a lot like the northeast kingdom of vermont
0: yeah that that there is something really um worthy of celebration to say that these places have their own set of beauty, they have their own set of opportunities that we can be supportive of as outsiders, uh, because there is value there. And there are folks there who are embracing it, not only of the older generations, but of younger generations, and that we so often overlook their stories.
1: A counterpoint to this story of Audrey is the story of Josie. So we've talked about the young woman who goes on to be lobster fisherman, the young woman who comes back to work as a speech and language pathologist, Josie gets admitted to Yale, a place that only accepts 5% of students who apply from around the country. That's quite a feat from this little corner of Maine. Tell us about Josie and also tell us what's her life trajectory look like now?
0: Josie is this young woman who is obviously a very smart, uh, very dedicated uh, student. She ends up being valedictorian of her high school and the second ever from the high school to go to Yale, the first being her sister, her older sister. So, this is an extraordinary family in many ways, Uh, but they're not a wealthy family. They are, you know, they're. The father is um, a, a builder uh, in town. She, her grandparents are dairy farmers. Uh, and uh, Josie represents in some ways this notion of the young person, the young woman who has this incredible opportunity, seizes it and finds herself with one foot in down East Washington County and the other in New Haven with all of the things that follow that, right? All of the tensions and, and the eye-opening experiences that come with it. And she wrestles with that as she moves through her time at Yale. But what she comes out with is fascinating to me. She leaves for Yale certain that she won't look back in many respects. She, by the time she is going into her senior year, she says reflectively, there is so much I appreciate about Down East that I did not appreciate when I left it. And even though Josie will almost certainly not settle back in Down East Washington County, she has already said that she is committed to the area she believes there are ways that she can be helpful to her community, even from afar. And she will almost certainly be back to visit many, many times. Mm-hmm. Um, so there is a part of her that is will always be of Down East, even if she does not settle Down East.
1: So in describing why you took on this book, at the beginning, you noted what you feel is another narrative of, of kind of despair in rural America. And that is probably best captured by Hillbilly Elegy, the book, the movie, and now a US Senate candidate, the author. Um, Contrast what you see in rural America versus the Hillbilly Elegy version of America.
0: Yeah, well, of course, J.D. Vance, you know, the perspective is so different, right? And we we need to acknowledge that because his, it was a lived experience turned into a memoir. And mine is an outsider's experience, um, admittedly an immersive experience and, and, and one that I am so grateful to the girls and their families and the communities for, but a different experience. And so um, I put that that caveat as we make these comparisons, um, an important one. Uh, That said, well, I think that what J.D. Vance did with Hillbilly Elegy is extremely important to the narrative uh, and and worthy of all of the discussion that it prompted. Uh, I believe that Down East is equally as important to the narrative, because it is critical that we weave in the stories that are more optimistic and hopeful about the lives of people in rural America and about the hope for the communities that the J.D. Vances leave behind, Now, he is looking back, and I think it is worthy to look back, but it is also worthy to to take from the inside out this other strand and weave it in. And both together, I hope, will also help us think about the way in which We're all not so different, urban, rural, suburban, uh, and the way in which it's important to be able to bridge conversations around
1: these issues. Well, Gigi Georges, I want to thank you for joining us on the Vermont Conversation.
0: Thank you, David. It's been such a pleasure to be with you today.
1: Gigi Georges' newest book is Down East, Five Main Girls and the Unseen Story of Rural America. That does it for this week's Vermont Conversation. You can hear this and all programs at vtdigger.org slash Vermont Conversation. I'm David Goodman. Thanks so much for listening.